Well, happy Sunday to all of you, whether you're here live or you're streaming live or you're watching or listening at a later time. Doesn't matter. Glad that you're with us. A um, couple things, families, we always love having all the families here. Kids, can I hear a great big shout? You guys can do, we've been practicing on this every couple weeks. Let's do it a little bit better. Ready? One, two, three. There you are. That makes me miss kids camp. Hey, um, only partially though. A uh, couple things. One is we actually did create, uh, use the family uh, hallway in the family entrance lobby, set up some tables for coloring. If you have a toddler up through a three-year-old, uh, sorry if you have a four-year-old, they're fully mature enough to sit here, comprehend, and read the Greek, so they're going to stay here in the service. But if, if you would like to um, bring them back there for them to color, uh, only catches parents you're staying with your children. Are we clear? Right? We're connecting? Uh, but yeah, parents stay with your kids, uh, and it'll close kind of between services. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't want you in here. So toddlers, if you want to stay here and you want to send your parents out there, whatever needs to happen. Uh, we got furniture back in the lobby, and um, we're also opened up at the end of the service. We're going to have prayer. Uh, and if you would like prayer at the end, feel free to come up. I grew up in a, in a or didn't grow up in the Catholic Church. I went to a Catholic school for several years. And one of the things, whenever I go up for communion, because I wasn't Catholic, I would go up for a blessing, so I'd cross my arms. And so if you want to come up for prayer, but you don't want someone to actually lay their hands on you, no worries, uh, cross your arms. And um, basically what you're telling that person is they're dirty, but you would like them to pray for you. And they're going to fully accept that and be totally fine with it. Uh, but we want to support one another, encourage one another, and uh, do that through the power of prayer. So excited to do that. We feel comfortable doing these three things that I just said because as a church family and as a community, you guys have been very good with distancing and mask wearing and that kind of stuff. And um, God's grace has been on what we've done. And so we feel comfortable doing that and as we kind of keep going through this. So that's that. All right, on with the message. We are in the Red Letter Challenge. That is our series for and uh, a book study we're doing, uh, going through the book. It's a 40-day journey uh, challenge, actually, more than a... Well, it is a journey to get through it, but it's a challenge. Um, and we try to do that every January just to do a reset. How many of you guys can use resets periodically in your life? And uh, today is the second week of... And we're focusing on the subject of forgiveness. If you haven't gotten a book... We still have those um, at the info table. Grab one. It's better to start today than not start at all. I think I've seen that on a quote book somewhere or something like that. But uh, So today, red letter, challenge forgiveness. Today is also sanctity of human life. Um, Sunday, where we pray for uh, the, the end of abortion, and, and we really what we're praying for is life. And tomorrow is also Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So usually this Sunday is focused on life and honoring life, praying for the blessing of life. Um, now, but many times in that, and when we talk about forgiveness, a lot of times we're focusing more on the mandate that um, we need to forgive as we've been forgiven, or we're focusing on the effects of unforgiveness and what that does to your health and to your life. But where these tie together is, um, I believe, is in repentance. 
And many times it's easy for us to approach these subjects, forgiveness, and think about all the people who haven't forgiven you. Anybody here have a, you know some people that maybe don't like you, haven't forgiven you for something you've done, okay? Or maybe when you think about praying for the sanctity of human life, you, there's, there's these people out there that you're praying for. Or when you think of Martin Luther King and, and what he stood for and kind of what we, we do, what we try to remember as far as the end of racism, which is really the end of judgment for people that are different than, that we think are different than us. Whether that be because of the color of their skin, whether that be because of where they were born, the language they speak, the financial status, their gender, whatever, they're different. And so we cast a judgment on them. And we cast a, this person is more valuable than this person. But there's something that has to happen inside of us to bring a humility, and that is repentance. And repentance comes before forgiveness. And it's something that has to be there. I believe it, it's a root um, in that. So our question to consider, this is kind of a question for you to kind of have in your brain as we go through this, is, this is it's a fun one. It's, it's going to be a kind of a fun thing. We're going to actually vote at the end, and you can say which one you are. Um, just joking, but, you know, we'll leave it to you. Uh, do you have a forgiveness issue, or do you have a repentance issue? Um, at the beginning of COVID, and you're kind of like, isn't there a third option? At the beginning of COVID, there's this meme going around of this. Can a meme be a video or does it have to be stagnant, static? Whatever. Um, my kids will correct me later. Anywho, there was this thing on the social media, the intraweb, and it was this guy, and he's being interviewed, and um, they ask him, um, I don't even remember it. <laughs> yeah, you have two options. A, spend, because it's at the beginning of COVID, A, you know, spend, you know, the next however many days in home with your wife and kids, or B, and they don't even say what B was, and the guy's just like, B. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because you want another option. So, but do we have a forgiveness issue, or do we have a repentance issue in our life? In the book, The Third Option, Miles McPherson, who is a, um, a black pastor out of San Diego, uh, used to play for the NFL, and he wrote this book, uh, kind of the subtitle is Hope for a Racially Divided Nation. One of the things he says in there is, I can tell you the answer isn't in choosing the right side or the right people. The answer lies in humbling ourselves in serving a purpose that's bigger than any side or any one of us. We can choose sides or we can choose honor, but we cannot choose both. What will you choose? You know, there's sides. Here at the end of October, there was an a, um, early 20s black man that was uh, being uh, watched by the police. And events took place where he ended up being shot right down and killed right down the street from here about half a mile from where we are right now. It was on a Thursday night. Um, the next day, they were gonna, the family wanted to do uh, a vigil, a candlelight vigil. 
And uh, we keep on hand here usually around a thousand um, candles for candlelight vigils because I don't know how many of you have ever been part of one, but usually you want to do it within like 24 hours of some tragic event taking place and you don't have time to, you know, order it on Amazon or whatever. And um, so I, I decided on that Friday night to drive down there and uh, I wanted to give them like 350 of these candles because it's not about a side. It's not who do I stand with? Am I with the family or am I with the, with the police? Do I believe he was right or wrong? Do I believe he was innocent or do I believe he was guilty? It's about that there's a family whose son, whose brother, whose nephew, whose uncle, whose friend, whose coworker has died. There's grief. And the Jesus that I know has compassion on grief. He's not looking at, well, you shouldn't, you know, or this or that. He has compassion on grief. He's come and comforted my grief even in the midst of my mistakes. So I, I pick up these candles about 30 to 45 minutes before this vigil is supposed to start. And I head down to Highway 99. And already the tension is just thick. The whole west side, the right-hand side, was one group of people. Okay? All geared up, signed up, flagged up for their position, their stance. The other side of the highway was another group of people all geared up, signed up, flagged up for their position. What I can tell you about both of these groups, neither one of them were there to mourn the death of a friend or the death of a person. They weren't there to honor life. They were there to take advantage of a, of a situation and push a political agenda. The family didn't even want the news around. They wanted to do this in private. And I was overcome with just a disgust for where we are as people. All over social media, it doesn't matter what the topic is. Man, it seems like nowadays you can't even post your favorite pizza parlor that, hey, kids and I, you know, eating round table, best pizza in town, and without getting hate mail, like, you idiot. That's not the best pizza in town. It's Blind Onion. Oh, yeah, Blind Onion, they're too expensive. It's this. And, you know, it's like we can't talk about anything. We take sides. I believe one of the reasons we take sides, and this could be a stretch, but is that sometimes we feel like we have to put something else down to try to justify ourselves. We have to point at the other people. We have to point at another group. We have to take a stand instead of showing love and instead of showing forgiveness because we actually haven't accepted God's forgiveness for us because we haven't actually repented of what is going on in our own lives. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. It says, you may think you can condemn. Now, can we make a little agreement here? When we read the word you, who are we talking about? We're talking about ourselves, okay? We all on the same page on this? So we're going to go through this little exercise. It's kind of painful, I agree. But I think God's going to do something through it. You may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse when you say they are wicked and should be punished. You are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. 
Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? You ever reflect on God's patience for you? Man, I love it when Holy Spirit convicts me where I'm in the midst of judging someone else. Yes, I'm extremely judgmental, okay? When I'm in the midst of judging someone else and Holy Spirit comes and kind of nudges me, not too harsh, nudges me, reminds me of who I am, what I do, what I'm capable of, what I say, how I've hurt people. Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? In other translations, it says, lead you to repentance. But here's the deal. Repentance is what leads to forgiveness. And many times today, just kind of in the Christian world, it's very easy for us to preach a gospel of forgiveness and we forget about the gospel of repentance. They're the same gospel, okay? I'm not trying to divide them. But the point being is we talk about forgiveness because it's accepting and it's saying, come as you are, God, God, and and it's true. But there's an ownership part that as I come as I am, as you come as you are, we come realizing who we are compared to who he is. Realizing left unto myself what I'm capable of, what I do, how I operate. In choosing, God, I want to repent of my wrongdoing. I want to repent for when I don't honor life. I want to repent for when I judge other groups of people. I want to repent for where I take stance just trying to take a side instead of loving, God, what you love. And in that, accepting his forgiveness. In Luke 24, 47... It says it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Over and over in the New Testament, repentance is what leads to forgiveness. So follow me. Many times, not every time, but many times, our issue with forgiveness and forgiving each other is that we haven't fully embraced the forgiveness of God for ourselves. We haven't embraced the forgiveness of God for ourselves because we haven't repented. I don't repent because many times I think what I've done is too big. It's too bad. What happens if he doesn't forgive me for that? So I live in shame. Shame says that I didn't just do something bad, but I am bad. Now, when I'm living in shame, I then begin to judge others because I'm judging myself. And I begin to treat others with that same judgment because I start to kind of shift the character of God and I decide that because I can't overcome what I've done, neither can he. And if he can't overcome what I've done, How in the world can he overcome what you've done? For goodness sakes, look at you guys. No. We have to come to a place of repentance. And when we do, we acknowledge 
that I don't got it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. I'm not always right. 99.9% .9 of the time, yes. <laughs> that I can be extremely selfish. I can be judgmental. Knowing it and unknowing it, I can really hurt people. When I acknowledge that, a humility comes over me. Therefore, in that humility, I no longer have to try to protect my kingdom. Because it's not about my kingdom. It's about am I living for God's kingdom. I'm not trying to protect my reputation. I'm not trying to protect this facade, this mask, this, this outfit that I have on. I'm trying to live for Christ. And so there's a humility that's in that. You know, you look at Paul, you look at Peter in the New Testament. Two men that made a, a massive impact on the early church. Paul, prior to being named Paul and his conversion, his name was Saul. He knew all the rules. He knew all the laws. He, he totally embraced it all. You know what? It wasn't that knowledge that made him anointed. What made him anointed was one day God intervened in his life and he repented for his ways and he allowed a humility to come over him. So he no longer judged you and I by how are we on the pecking order of his rules because he had humbled himself in his repentance and realized that my value is that I'm a son of God just like he's a son of God. And then through love, he encouraged me to follow Christ, to become more like Christ, to live the way that God has asked me to live, to get into the word, to serve others. But it was in that humility that that took place. You look at Peter. Man, he was an aggressive, temper, my hot-tempered, um, control freak. He was just like me. That was a joke. You guys are supposed to laugh. You guys took that too seriously like you all agreed. Okay, that wasn't funny. That wasn't funny at all. But you know what? That's not what made him anointed was this, his, his passion in his, in his zeal. What made him anointed was when he realized after, after walking with Jesus for years, being with him and then denying Jesus on, on the big day, the biggest day of his life where he should have stood up, he couldn't. He cowered and he betrayed Jesus. What happened? A humility set in because he realized who he was. It wasn't in his strength. It wasn't in his temper. It wasn't in his passion. So he repented. A forgiveness came and there came a new anointing. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, or starting in verse 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Remember that those things are in us too. If you're like me, maybe I'm the only one that does this. A lot of times I can read those things and I'm thinking of all the other people that have rage and anger and harsh words and slander. I'm like, yeah, you guys need to get rid of that. No, God wants me to get rid of it. I got it in me and I need to get rid of it. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ, has forgiven you. A couple other things that 
he says in this book. He says, forgiveness means that you no longer hold someone responsible for healing the pain of an offense towards you. You let it go. Doesn't mean the pain's not there. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's simple. Doesn't mean that it wasn't wrong what took place. But we don't hold them responsible. We don't hold others responsible for healing that pain. He also says, in other words, forgiveness looks past what a person did and focuses instead on who they were meant to be. You look at Jesus on the cross. He's been betrayed. He's been beaten. He's been ridiculed. He, he, he's been left by his best friends have betrayed him. And he's on the cross experiencing all that pain. What's his focus on? Lord, forgive them. Now we can kind of try to brush that one off because, well, Jesus was the son of God, so I'm sure he had a magical pill, you know, that he could take that would remove the pain or he had something where he could kind of numb it or he had a superpower strength where he didn't quite, his nerves, he knew how to control them. Look at the life of Stephen. And that wasn't true. Just in case you're wondering. Look at the life of Stephen. He's in the New Testament. He's, he's declaring the gospel. He gets brought before and he's questioned. And he keeps declaring it. He doesn't back down. They get so angry, they pick up rocks and start pelting him to death. It really doesn't matter whether it was a gigantic boulders or it was sand, like little pebbles from your rock bin. The fact is, is that they threw enough of them to where he died. Okay, so let's just admit that whatever size the rock was, it hurt. In the midst of it, he didn't start accusing them. Ah, you just wait till my God gets a hold of you. You just wait in, in that. No, he knew who he was. Because he came to a place of repentance, accepting the forgiveness of God the Father, he then was able to overflow with forgiveness for them. What was his words that he was crying out? Lord, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do, to be as a church, as a family, as a community, that we become a forgiving people. So we want to choose sides because we want to be right. Here's a statement. I came up with this one all on my own. It's brilliant. Jesus is right. Say that with me. Jesus is right. We are wrong. Okay? So there is the right side is to live like Christ. He's the only right one. And yet, in the midst, in spite, in the junk of it all, of my wrongness, what has he done? He forgives me. And that's what he's calling us to do for others. So just this week, think about as you go through the Red Letter Challenge and you read on forgiveness, it's just thinking about, Lord, I, I want to become a forgiving person. But in the midst of it, also be looking at, is it a forgiveness issue for you or is it a repentance issue for you? And I believe that the quicker we are to repent, you look at people that are quick to say, I was wrong, take ownership for it. Their life also flows with a lot of forgiveness.